Hey, this is Richard Walker coming to you from my winding road. And what's it like to live in Central Florida? Well, today it is, let me see the old watch here. It's the 4th of December, 2019, and it's uh, 8.30 in the a.m. The sun is just up over the palm tree, and I'm sitting in the studio, which is a Ford Escape, and we call it the Escape Pod. And the reason why I'm using it as a studio is that it's Ford Quiet. What I'd like to talk to you about today is simply a description of what I hope to cover in this podcast series. This is episode one in 2019. I have decided that this is the format for discussing uh, autobiographies and autobiographical work, what we call life writing, which includes memoirs, autobiographies, biographies, uh, journals, and uh, diaries, and that sort of thing. However... In this podcast, I will focus on what life is like as a retired person in Central Florida on the west coast of Florida. So, let's go on to the next podcast. Good morning, this is Richard Walker coming to you from my winding road. It is the 5th, Wednesday, the 5th of December, 2019. We have just taken our small chihuahua named Shelby to the veterinarian for a surgery. She's got to have knee surgery just like her old man. And I hope it doesn't take her as long to heal as it did me. It's taken me about a year and six months to feel normal again. I don't think about my uh, replaced knee. So, what's happening at the crack house? That's spelled C-R-A-I-C. And it means good cheer, good conversation, humor, and gemütlichkeit. What's happening? Well, it's getting to be chilly. It's uh, down in the 40s and 50s here in Florida. Oh, did I say I'm reporting from Lutz, Florida? That's L-U-T-Z and zip code 33559 if you want to find me. And I'm looking out the studio window and looking at three or four rose plants. And believe it or not, here in the chill of winter, they are blooming. I have one red that turns pink, one apricot that turns pink, and three yellows that turn pale. 
In addition, behind that, up close to the house, are uh, purple fountain grass with uh, beautiful little, look like cattails, but very much thinner and wispier uh, up against the house. It's a it's a really nice textured grass. In front of that is African iris, which. Uh, and flax lily. The flax lily is growing uh, much more substantially than the African iris, and I thought the reverse would happen. So initially I planted the African iris closer to the house and the uh, flax lily, which is a variegated plant. Uh, it's got a uh, sword-like both of them have green sword-like uh, leaves, and the flax lily has a, oh, what I call racing stripes going up the edge of each, maybe about a quarter inch wide, eighth to a quarter inch wide, yellow stripe going up the side of each leaf. The African iris has a beautiful some of the most beautiful, delicate blooms. What's really fascinating about the African iris bloom is that it, how should I say that? It's got what, it has physical parts, and then it has what looks like printed parts on the same petal. Now, it has uh, three to four white petals with a... Um, a purple uh, inside, and it's printed with a uh, lavender, and and then it has a yellow uh, center. I'm not looking at one, so I'm just going from memory. <clears throat> and uh, in addition to all of this, I have a wild weed growing in these uh, in this flower bed, and actually all over. Uh, my property. It's called milkweed. It's the butterfly, a host plant for the monarch butterfly. So the other thing that's fascinating, I'll be digging in the dirt, you know, pulling weeds or something. I'm down on the ground and all of a sudden I see this, I see this dark shadow fly over and I'm going, what the heck is that? And I look up and it's a monarch butterfly. Now, what's what's interesting is that the uh, they'll cast a fairly large shadow when they're uh, when they're up uh, uh, maybe ten or twelve feet. So that's what's happening here in the front yard. In the backyard, the flower beds are in the shade most of the day because the house faces west so the flowering plants get lots of sunlight which they need especially the roses need six to eight hours of sunlight every day in the backyard however my neighbor behind me has a huge oak tree in his yard it's it's so big it hangs over uh, about um, a quarter or a fifth of my yard on the southeast corner on the northeast corner i have what's called a myers lemon which was a gift from our next door neighbor 
uh, I was going to share it with them. I put it on the property line, and then it, it didn't seem to do well. It actually got in the way from of mowing and that sort of thing. So then I moved it to the backyard where it's getting plenty of sun, and unbelievable you you know we we talk about we talk about the demise of the honeybee but the mud daubers um or what they call mason bees and other solitary bees leaf cutters um are much more effective they're like 90% more effective as pollinators and i can see them on on the uh, milkweed so my milkweeds are proliferating and um, anyway the Myers lemon tree has probably 30 baseball size fruit on it not like your normal uh, Spanish or Italian lemon well some of them get really big but since we have lots of rain here during the summertime, these plants just really store their water right in their fruit. It's, it's really beautiful. In addition, I have uh, some ground orchids, uh, one purple, one white, well, a couple of purple and uh, one white, but they're, they're bunched together. I have some um, daylilies, but I think they need more sun than what I'm giving, you know, where I have them placed. So they're they're a little bit on the dwarf side. The white ground orchid is uh, quite prolific and, and is a one plant gives a mass of white color. Accenting both on the back fence and uh, up against the house, uh, the lanai, uh, are uh, swamp lilies. The swamp lily will grow to be six or seven feet high. And they flower continuously. And uh, I would have to, I think I would have to spend a whole podcast on that particular plant. Let me go back to the front yard for a second and talk about the milkweed. Now, the thing that's really fascinating about the milkweed is it flowers and seeds, uh, I guess, in, in time for the monarch butterfly, which uh, travels from uh, the north down to Mexico and then back up again in the spring. In the in the wintertime, they fly south and go to uh, north of Mexico City, as you all have seen on television shows. It's phenomenal to see millions and millions of monarch butterflies collecting in one place. But what they do when they, when they follow the path of the sun, they fly north and they have to regenerate about every two or three weeks. So what they do is they, the females come to a host plant like the milkweed and deposit an egg on the underside of the leaf on a very close to the tip. And 
primarily on the upper leaves, which are newer and more tender. Oh boy, in a short time, the caterpillars eat their way out of the shell of the egg, <clears throat> and they begin to munch on the edge of the milkweed leaf. They can strip, they as in the caterpillars, can strip an entire stalk and even an entire plant down to nubs. And, and if there's more than one caterpillar, they can start eating the nubs. <clears throat> well, believe it or not, the milkweed bounces right back. And when it flowers, it has yellow and red uh, blooms, and they <clears throat> they progress from a red uh, bud, and then it opens up into a yellow flower. And the bees come and pollinate these critters, and those flowers will turn into seed pods. And the seed pod, what does a seed pod look like? It's maybe one and a half to two inches, three, two and a half inches long. It's pointing straight up, and it looks like a small green bean with a very pointed tip. Now what happens is that when that, the that is the, I want to call ovary of the, of the plant. But basically what happens is the seeds form inside this pod. And when they are mature, the seed pod will desiccate and split open. And it will open, it's got uh, three or four gores or panels on each side, and they twist and peel back. And the seeds are hanging from white fibers, much like the dandelion seed. And when the wind blows, the seeds are scattered. Now, obviously, this is a wind-blown seed uh, uh, plant, and believe it or not, these uh, seeds will germinate just laying on the top of the ground. And that's why I have uh, these butterfly plants in almost every flower bed on my property. And it does attract uh, the butterflies in, uh, in season. And it could be uh, I'm not really sure of the timing, but definitely in the spring, we have uh, new baby caterpillars coming, turning into butterflies. <clears throat> and then uh, they go away. And then sometimes in the fall, we'll get uh, another flock of, but a smaller flock of uh, monarch butterflies. So that's it for this podcast uh, coming to you from uh, the Crack House. And this is Richard Walker saying happy trails.